the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is the number. By the way, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? It's commencement season. Every year I do an on-air commencement. So uh, my commencements have, I guess, been ahead of the curve when you think about some of these remote commencements other students have had to go through. Shame on that. I do mine by design. This was not by design, and I feel badly for the students that had to uh, go through these abnormal uh, otherwise great moments of celebration. But in any event, I've always thought commencement speech is important and, uh, and at least good ones. I've learned a lot from good ones and uh, that there's a lot of rot to be heard in, in, in most of them. So every year I try and give one that is completely apolitical uh, as most of the commencement speeches end up being political. Did you see Raphael Warnock's? My gosh. Uh, anyway, um, I'll, so I'll, I'll do mine tomorrow as my monologue. Uh, I update it every year. Some of it has the same things from year to year, wisdom for uh, high school and college students, and I update it and take out things. So it's it's always a little bit different. I'll do mine tomorrow. We'll ask others for theirs. Have you heard anything good in a commencement address? Was your commencement address? Do you remember Do you remember yours, Bill, by the way? Do you remember yours? You're a proud Bill, ASU Sun Devil. I guess that makes it not that good because I don't remember a thing from it or even who it was. Isn't that interesting? Is there any way to look it up? I'd be curious to know how for, who was so forgettable in your upbringing. You won't say this some 40 years out, will you? When someone says, do you remember what radio show you were producing in the, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, 20 aughts? You won't, you won't say, gosh, I just, it was so forgettable. Not going to happen. Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, it's an important point. Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois tweeted out today, it's beyond heartbreaking, but gun violence is traumatizing an entire generation of young people. If we don't act soon to address this crisis head on, the cycle of death and violence is only going to continue. To which Tom Elliott responded, if you weren't white, maybe you could talk to the mayor about it. The mayor being Lori Lightfoot of Chicago. The reason Tom Elliott said that is, as I said in the previous uh, segment before the break, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, has decided she will only grant one-on-one interviews with journalists who are people of color, that is to say uh, racial minorities. Whites will not get those interviews by dint of the fact that they are white. Tucker, Tucker was great on this. Uh, last night, he said, Lightfoot took pains to explain that she doesn't mean any of this personally. In fact, she conceded that some of the white reporters who cover City Hall in Chicago are indeed talented, but, quote, white nonetheless, close quote. So there it is, as plainly as anyone ever said it out loud. White people are disqualified because they are white, not because of anything they've done or said or think. 
Lori Lightfoot doesn't care about that. She says so. Lightfoot isn't interested in what these white people might be like as individuals, as people. She doesn't even care what kind of white they are. Their ancestors could be from Italy or Luxembourg or Finland or Spain. They could be members of the British royal family. They could be penniless Romanian immigrants living in a box on the sidewalk on Michigan Avenue. Rich or poor, it doesn't matter to Lori Lightfoot. All that matters is race, the fact that they're white, because white people are all, of course, have to be the same. Implicitly, so too all black people. Larry Elder, I think, is from Michigan. Too bad. He could go back to Illinois as a journalist and try and get a one-on-one with Lori Lightfoot. Would she give it to him? I bet she's a little less consistent about this racial attitude than she says. I bet she is. White people are all the same. They are entirely defined by the color of their skin, according to the mayor of Chicago. You can see how this makes life easier for Lori Lightfoot. She knows who to hate just by looking at them. If someday the Chicago police rounded up the entire population of the city, Lori Lightfoot would have no trouble pulling the right ones out of line for punishment. By the way, in case you're wondering, yes, that was a Nazi reference. It was deserved. Lori Lightfoot is a monster. Any society that allows politicians to talk like this has a very ugly future ahead. Very. By the way. By the way. Did the great racist President Donald Trump ever divide by race along the lines of the mayor of Chicago? Ever? By the way, when the media said Donald Trump was engaging against a war against the media, when the press said that Donald Trump was engaging against a, a war against the media, would not a war against the media include locking out the majority of journalists from the opportunity of a one-on-one interview because of their race? Is that a war against the media? Telling the media that you don't care about them because you know what they think and who they are based on the color of their skin? Be careful with that one. Be careful with that one. People are rushing into this and defending this kind of crap as if it's enlightened and progressive. It is unenlightened and regressive. I presume Lori Lightfoot thinks she is and has said things to the effect of being the mayor of all the people in Chicago. Presumably, all the people in Chicago who can read, can read irrespective of what they, we think of their race. Theoretically, the residents of Chicago can read a newspaper article like everyone else and not have to think about the race of the journalist. Now they don't have to if they know it's a direct one-on-one interview with Lori Lightfoot. We know that person wasn't white. It's a dangerous thing. Ugly is Tucker's word. That's right. It's a dangerous and ugly thing to go down this road. It's even more dangerous and more ugly when you don't see a universal condemnation of it. It makes one want to say, now do water fountain. It makes one want to say, now do lunch counters. It makes one want to say, 
now do public schools and public and state universities. Because the principle is the same. as The principle is the same. We fought against all of those things being separated and discriminated against for being the wrong color. Everything from water fountains to restaurants. Everything from kindergartens to colleges. We fought that ugly evil. And the irony is, today we are being lectured to by progressive idiots. We are being lectured to by progressive idiots for living in a country and hosting a country and participating and defending and saluting a country that is racist. This country has come together in a big way three times to address racism in its founding and in its founding documents in the Civil War and in the Civil Rights Movement of the 1960s, 100 years after the Civil War. Three major moments of effort to redress to redress racism in this country, address and redress racism in this country. And the enlightened so-called and the man key progressives today, look at what they're doing. Condemning us, condemning us as a society for the racism while they enact the very policies that this country in its third greatest anti-racist moment engaged in nearly universally in the 1960s. They are engaging in the exact behavior the civil rights movement in the 1960s was poised against and fought. They condemn us today for being racist as they deploy the tactics, the anti-racists of the 1960s and one of our greatest social movements fought. The Manke progressives have become themselves the very enemy they say we are, while we rightfully celebrate, talk about, and try to redound to the philosophy of beating racism the way we did in the 1960s. And if it wasn't worth it, and if we were wrong, then by gosh, by golly, get rid of the Martin Luther King Day holiday and stamp. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I have a pair of general admission tickets to give away for a fabulous event coming up Tuesday, May 25th, Crisis at the Border. Andy Biggs, me, Mike Gallagher, Seb Gorka, all here with you in person at the Scottsdale Chaparral. Excuse me, used to be Chaparral, the Scottsdale Embassy Suites. More information at 960thepatriot.com. Next caller at 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. And the way you're supposed to say it gets two free tickets to that event. If you are not that lucky person, we have a few left at 960thepatriot.com. We're going to the border and then uh, the day before, and then we're going to come back and share experiences uh, and insights with you on May 25th and uh, open it up for a conversation about everything the progressives are doing to undermine 
and radically transform this country. Don is in Phoenix. Hello, Don. Oh, hi, Seth. How are you today? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Uh, real good. Real good. Thanks. Um, yeah, you know, do you have Don? Do you have Do you have a way of knowing if a day is going to be a good? You sound like someone who has a lot of good days. Do you know if a day is going to be good? When you when, <laughs> is there some way you can tell? Oh, the birds are singing this morning, or whatever. The dog is sleeping in. It's going to be a good. Do you have any? I you just sound like someone who has a lot of good days. <laughs> yeah, I can tell if I wake up. <laughs> yeah, you can. Okay, that's pretty funny. Good enough. That's a good start. Yeah, yeah every day is a good day. Sorry right? to take you off off the topic. Oh, no, no. Yeah, well, uh, my problem is with the uh, left nowadays, They've, uh, I think they've been conducting a war on truth, you know, literally. Um, because what they'll do is they'll declare something, uh, usually something inane, but they make a declaration and it's true. And then they reverse let's, let's take five, Let's take an example. Uh what would be a good example? Oh. Society is systemically racist might be one. Yeah. Climate change yeah. is the cause of the border crisis. Something like this, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, Islands can tip January. over. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, January 6th right. is an insurrection. A violent right. insurrection. Yeah. Yeah so, the, yeah. so the examples are countless. But, yes. So they've just declared that is true. Yep. And then they reverse engineer everything. Yep. From uh, you know the evidence, any sound bites, statistics, um, yeah, they just reverse engineer it, and anything that uh, challenges this truth, then they they uh, they got to silence it, and they have to uh, you know the deplatform people on social media. Um, you know, like say if you if the uh, election was stolen in twenty twenty, you get deplatformed. Yes, sir. You can't. You're not even allowed to say it. So. No. So they declare truth, and then they. Uh, this, by the way, even more importantly, I think, even more importantly, because it goes to acute life and death situations, they'll take down revered, and acknowledged, and recognized, and prominent scientists who disagree yeah. with the, what the twenty-five-year-olds think should be true in Silicon Valley. Yeah, and then they uh, say they follow the science, which is not true. I mean, everything's becoming a lie with them. But, uh, yeah, I call them, uh, I say they're a cult of personalities, where they elevate, you know, they all try to be woker than the other, and they elevate, like, say, Greta Thunberg, you know, and um, and they're, like, self-ordained ministers of truth. So you cannot challenge her, Greta Thunberg. You have to, you know... Um, you have to believe. You have to embrace everything she says. You have to embrace everything she says. Yeah. And if you don't, you are insensitive to girls and young people and science. And your climate denier, right, right, which right, there's, there's been denier, a lot of talk exactly. about. A lot of me want to start locking up climate deniers, you know, or have mentioned it, you know, um, that these people are dangerous. They need to be arrested or something mm-hmm. for spreading misinformation. So yeah. it's all yeah, it's I, all tied together, and they're just like they uh, they declare the truth, and then you cannot. It's it's uh, it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a frustrating thing. You're I, I get the I get the um, I get the um, frustration. They should all be arrested. That's what we used to say. Of course, you know 
that's the funny thing is is you know we're the ones who say let it rip, uh, say what you want. We're the ones who they deny free speech rights to. Um, so you know for anyone that'll say you should all be arrested uh, that gets condemned, just understand that there has already been a series of massive arrests based on political opinion. It's just gone in the other direction from left to right. Ask yourself why there are hundreds of civilians, civilians in jail in Washington, D.C., have been for months for the crime of trespass. For the crime of trespass. Ask yourself why over a billion dollars is being approved by Congress to further secure Washington, D.C. from a second insurrection, as they claim, as the Democrats say they are approving over a billion dollars to protect against. When you hear the phraseology and uh, talk that defends the notion that people who support President Trump or that President Trump himself is a threat to democracy should be nowhere allowed nowhere again near the White House as the talking point goes. And you see that all drop on the same day you see state prosecutors raiding the Trump organization yet again. And anyone who ever at a senior level affiliated with or tried to defend Donald Trump, you are watching a massive perch. I mean, I could go on and on and on, and I was starting to bore myself. But you are, you are starting to witness what is a massive purge. And it's a massive purge based on ideology, very little different than the purges in the Soviet Union from where we learn the word. As Dennis Prager said today, he said before, he learned how to speak Russian so he could read Pravda. He never thought he would need to learn Russian and how to read Pravda in order to understand how to read the Washington Post and the New York Times. That's a syllogism that works. That's a syllogism that works. But there is a... a um, industrial complex, Don, that is pushing this thing. It is a woke cycle where you have your militant shock and stormtroops. This is your Antifa and sometimes your, BL, sometimes your PL, BLM rioters. You have the educational propaganda pedagogical wing, which is your critical race theory being injected into the elementary and secondary schools. And then you have your social media and technology department, which protects the cancel culture, which silences conservatives, gets them fired or removed from the ability to speak on matters political, where matters political are communicated in the industries and venues they've created. That is your three-legged stool of the woke industrial complex.
Two artists probably not on Build's music list. Paul Simon, one of the greatest selling artists of the 20 and 21st century already. Uh, folks, uh, let me tell you if uh, – let me give you another shot for two uh, GA um, tickets to our great event on May 25th, Crisis at the Border. If you give us a, uh, another call, we'll give you two more. I have a bunch to give away. We just sequestered some giveaway seats, and we're delighted to do it. And my promotions manager says, sure, go ahead. We want to see you. So uh, the next caller uh, gets uh, two uh, free tickets to our May 25th event. We're bringing in Mike Gallagher, Andy Biggs will be with us, and Seb Gorka. I'll be there. We'll be talking about the crisis at the border, the border which we will have visited the day before. So you're not going to want to miss it. If you weren't a lucky caller, there are some tickets left at 960thepatriot.com. 960thepatriot.com for Crisis at the Border. Next Tuesday with Gallagher, Gorka, Biggs, and me. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the uh, – share with you uh, an area of research I've been delving into, dusting off a lot of books on Marxism. You've probably noticed that I've been speaking a lot more about it lately. I do believe it is, um, well, it is what Karl Marx said. It is a specter haunting, not Europe right now, but America, a specter haunting it. And I uh, have been working on trying to figure out how such an enlightened and dedicated citizenry uh, could be so happy delighted, celebratory of the victory in the long twilight struggle against communism, and yet how it could be so popular again some 30 years after its defeat. Is it an example of what Leo Strauss said, where the most sublime fruit of victory is the ability to impose the doctrine of your belief on the vanquished? For if that is true, then we did not earn it or achieve it. The joke was on us. Those professors that we laughed about mattered. China, far away, mattered. Turned out, mattered a lot. And yet here we are embracing it after we defeated it. John Hayward has a wonderful thread on Twitter explaining how this could be. Because it is a marvel how this could be. Almost as if someone was trying to revive Nazism in 1975. Conservatives made the terrible mistake of believing Marxism was fatally discredited with the fall of the Soviet Union. And only a few aging freaks and campus faculty still took it seriously. That's what we convinced ourselves. We weren't ready for the next wave of the mind virus and its variants. It was an easy mistake to make. How could people cling to an ideology that spread death, poverty, and failure all around the world once its primary nation-state supporter lay in ruins, its claim of success across the decades exposed as lies, its victims celebrating their freedoms? How could so many people ignore the hideous history of Marxism and continue to believe this time it can work? This time all the bugs have been ironed out. This time the right people are finally in charge. Forgive my generation, please, for thinking the horror was finally over. Marxism persists because it is 
a virus. It was designed that way. Give the old devil and his disciples credit for being ahead of the curve in realizing that an ideology could be custom-tailored to propagate itself endlessly without needing or requiring any nourishment from success. Marxism is designed to spread by infection, to subvert and overturn institutions, to destabilize societies, to feed upon the offal of greed and envy, which it metabolizes into virtues. It infects young minds by preventing itself as the utopia that has never been reached. Every single aspect of Marxist theory is designed to protect and perpetuate the ideology, no matter how badly it fails, most notably including the elements of every Marxist ideology that justify the use of violence against those who threaten it or refuse to submit to its demands. This time it will be different. This time. Notice that Marxism, as it got older, as it grew, as it became more and more a part of the modern world, as it became more and more, one might say, improved upon, it got deadlier. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you're thinking of going solar and telling the utility companies to take a hike, I want you to reach out to my friend Solar Sandy. The difference between Solar Sandy and other solar companies in Arizona is that she's actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. <clears throat> so important when going solar, you do it the right way, and Solar Solar Sandy has that formula. She is the right way and wants to put more of your hard-earned money back in your pocket when you go solar, if you sign up with Solar Sandy, she'll pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments for one year, and you will receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. She'll do appointments by Zoom or in person. Read the testimonials at her website, AskSolarSandy.com. They're just amazing. If you think Washington spending is a mess of corrupt, wait till the power company monopolies are done with us. Avoid that by going to Solar Sandy. 623-850-8229. Give her a call at 623-850-8229 or go to AskSolarSandy.com to get started. Doug is in Maricopa. How the heck are you, Doug? I'm doing great, Seth. Only today I'm not in Maricopa. I'm actually up at Lee's Ferry looking at a god-awful beautiful view. Yeah, a god-awful <laughs> god What? Beautiful view. Oh, I bet. I bet yeah. you are. I bet you are. Our, How our nice of you to take painting. us to uh, Lee's Ferry with you. Well, no matter where I go in my painting exploits around the West, uh, the Seth Leeson show goes with me. Aren't so. you a sweetheart? Thank you, sir. Yep. Well, listen, I was calling today because when you uh, read that article that, you know, why does socialism and communism keep coming back and that it's a virus? And that got me thinking, uh, I do believe it's a virus. And the reason it's coming back, even though we beat, we spent 75 years trying to beat communism and had the illusion that it was beat, was because when, when you think about it in our body, when a virus attacks the body, the way the body tries to survive is it attacks back. 
with an antibody. And in my mind, that's a counter-narrative, a strong, vigorous counter-narrative. And what we have done is the communism and the socialism has gone virtually verbally unabated, except for occasional little smart comments, but not an actual agenda. I kind of admire the left because they push power, they use power for their agenda. We will not. We go in there and we basically placehold and, you know, don't push too much. Trump made the mistake of trying to push a lot, and that, of course, got everybody mad, including our own side. But I think we have to be antibodies. And right now, I'm afraid we're in stage three or four. And the farther we get down in the stages, the less likely there's a recovery. But I think we have to have a very strong, vigorous narrative, and I still don't hear it from the Republicans. Yeah, I uh, I want to I want to I want to argue that I think part of this is too many of our elected officials playing catch up to everything you just articulated and know playing catch up. Andy Biggs gets elected to Congress four years ago. Look at the impact this man has made on the national scene in four years from the back benches of a congressional district in Arizona. Think about that, four years, because he hit the ground running. He didn't have to play catch-up, Doug. But so many of them do, and still don't realize what the game is. So when they tell us the most important thing is to keep Donald Trump from the White House, I'm talking about Republicans and conservatives you know of, Doug, or have read of. When they tell us that, I will say inflation, unemployment, poverty level, gas lines, border all aflame in four months, including the Middle East, was that worth the price of getting rid of a man whose manners you didn't like? Was it worth it? What price, Joe Biden? What price ridding the country of Republican leadership? And let me make this point, too. I don't know, and and there's no way to know, obviously, what another Republican presidency would have looked like over the last four years if one of the other 16 opponents of Donald Trump won the primaries and then won a general election, which I don't think they could have, but let's say they did. Would the presidency look much different? I'm thinking, in fact, on some levels, yes, and depending on whom. A Ted Cruz presidency would have looked a little closer to a Donald Trump presidency than perhaps a Jeb Bush presidency would. We can agree on that. We can agree on that. But when you look at what has happened in the last four months, the last four months, I'm just talking to our fellow conservatives now. Are you glad Joe Biden is likable? Jimmy Carter was likable. 
he darn near ruined the country. Jimmy Carter had impeccable, does, he's still alive, has impeccable, so far as everyone knows, has impeccable moral credentials and personality and background and history. Nearly ruined the country. What price, what price for supercilious, exquisite, conscientiousness of proper writing behavior? And where you been, where you been, and telling us what you disagree with about the Biden administration? It's kind of funny. Those conservatives that were so anti-Trump and were so vigorously pro-Republican up until 2016, how come they're silent now? Have they nothing to say about what the Democrats are up to? They have not because they have become them. Josh Hammer was telling us about this essay called The Challenge of Marxism by Yoram Hazoni. I was reading it during the breaks, and I'd like, I should like to uh, conclude with how he concluded in that essay, The Challenge of Marxism. How will the Marxists succeed? As in the universities and the media, they will use their presence within liberal institutions to force liberals to break the bonds of mutual legitimacy that bind them to conservatives and therefore to two-party democracy. They will not demand the delegitimization of just Donald Trump, but of all conservatives. We've already seen this in the efforts to delegitimize the most articulate of them, like Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, and Tim Scott, as well as the media personalities like Tucker Carlson and others. Then they will move on to delegitimizing liberals who treat conservative views as worth reading, such as James Bennett and Barry Weiss and Andrew Sullivan. As was the case in the universities and media, many liberals will accommodate these Marxist tactics in the belief that by delegitimizing conservatives, they can appease the Marxists and turn them into strategic allies. But the Marxists will not be appeased because what they're after is the conquest of liberalism itself. Already happening as they persuade liberals to abandon their traditional two-party conception of political legitimacy and with it their commitment to a democratic regime. The collapse of the bonds of mutual legitimacy that have tied liberals to conservatives in a democratic system of government will not make the liberals in question Marxists quite yet, but it will make them the supine lackeys of these Marxists without the power to resist anything that progressives and anti-racists designate as being important. And it will get them accustomed to the coming one-party regime in which liberals will have a splendid role to play if they are willing to give up their liberalism. I know that many liberals are confused and they, they still suppose there are various alternatives before them, but it's not true. At this point, most of the alternatives that existed are gone. Liberals can choose between two alternatives, either submit to the Marxists and help them bring democracy in America to an end or assemble a pro-democracy alliance with conservatives. There aren't any other choices. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Leibson, and class is dismissed.